This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. And now, from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is the CMO Spotlight. With insight from top executives on how to address the key challenges facing the business world and the marketing industry. Here are your hosts, Catherine Hayes and Jenny Rooney. Welcome to the CMO Spotlight. I'm Catherine Hayes. The CMO Spotlight airs the last Friday of every month at 9 a.m. Eastern and replaying during the week of the new month to bring you fresh firsthand insights into how today's top chief marketing officers are addressing these crazy challenges that are going on right now in our business and how they're really gearing up for the future. So we've got an interesting format, I think. So we start by talking a little bit about about their backgrounds, um, how they got to where they are. So you have a sense of what their career journeys have been, because it's always interesting with marketers. Um, Then we talk about how they're investing their time right now and really try to hone in on the kind of topics that you all who are interested in marketing can can, uh, hear about. And And then we'll maybe talk about a couple of topics in particular that are kind of in the news right now and get their take on it. Um, So just a little background, I'm the co-author of Beyond Advertising, Creating Value Through All Customer Touch Points, written with um, marketing professor Jerry Wind, uh, with input from over 200 academics and innovators from around the world. It's it's, uh, a good read because it's a lot of people beyond just Jerry and me on Amazon. And... And I'm Jenny Rooney. I'm the editor of the CMO Network at Forbes. So great to be here with you, Catherine. Great to have you, Jenny. Um, so who who do you have lined up for us today? Yeah. So today we'll be welcoming Jeff Brooks. He's the CMO of Casper. And uh, Peter Georgie, he's the CMO of Celebrity Cruises, um, two really exciting companies um, and really fun brands. Um, and talk a little bit about what we're going to be discussing yeah, with so, these folks today, yeah, I thought what we'd, um, I don't know, we chatted a little bit about, but what, what we'd like to hone in on, if you think about Casper, which is mattresses and celebrity cruises, mm-hmm. these are, first of all, you sleep in both places. That's, <laughs> that's pretty obvious. But but it's also um, one of the topics that's really, really big right now is this notion of personalization mm-hmm. as well as experiences that people are investing more in experiences than things. Sure. Um, and both of these uh, marketers have that as their products. So. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to that. talk to them about that. Um, and speaking of that, just this is a reminder that our show is, is for marketers on all levels. Um, so whether you're just starting out in the marketing industry, you know, or you've made it all the way to the C-suite yourself, our goal is to share pra- really practical tips and strategies that are useful for everybody. Um, so if you're a business owner trying to better develop your own marketing strategy, you'll undoubtedly get amazing insight from our expert guests um, because this is what they do. So we're really, really excited. And uh, Catherine, why don't you kick it off? Yeah, with that, let's go ahead and welcome our first guest. Um, we're very pleased to have with us uh, Jeff Brooks. He's the Chief Marketing Officer of Casper. And welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much. It's my uh, my pleasure to be here. And I, I will say, upon hearing who your other guest is, uh, as excited as I am to speak with you, um, maybe you could just patch me through to Peter because I bet he has a lot of mattress, a lot of bed frames on his bed. <laughs> you know that is, yeah, we yeah. do. We do like to do that. We kind like of to match people together. On yeah, this show. And, so, I mean, and the yeah. cut is really very reasonable in terms of you know <laughs> exactly. the deal. But you know that's just, that's I think everybody the wins. New kind of affiliate marketing. <laughs> in fact, it's so funny that you mentioned that because I did want to ask you about that in a bit. But if you can just give us a, a quick background on Casper. Um, um, first, about to for our listeners. Uh, sure. So, I mean, I, uh, so 
So Casper is a company that uh, just turned four years old about wow. three months ago, which is kind of astonishing for anyone who, who knows it a little bit. Um, uh, but what started, um, you know, as, as, a, as a dream in five founders' heads about a little over five years ago um, to really disrupt an industry that was about 150 years old and, and hadn't changed uh, much at all in that time, uh, and started with one product skew, which was this idea that you could take a, a high-quality uh, mattress, uh, compress it, roll it up, put it in a box, uh, and have it delivered to your door within, uh, you know, uh, 48 hours. Um, uh, have a sort of joyful experience of taking it out of the box, slicing open the yeah, very delicately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The, uh, the plastic, uh, it, it comes in and have it expand within a minute um, and be there ready to drop onto your platform or, or box spring. And, um, and, um, and what started as that, uh, fast forward a little over four years, is now quite um, a booming business with, you know, over 10 different product categories. Um, we ship to uh, almost 10 countries now. Wow. Um, we are no longer just a, a single-channel e-commerce uh, company. We are have a, a pretty uh, quickly growing fleet of owned and operated physical brick-and-mortar stores, uh, a bunch of uh, uh, partnerships on the wholesale side with other retailers, and are getting into a lot of exciting stuff. Um, so um, it's funny, I heard sort of your intro say, talk about the crazy challenges facing marketers. Um, I will, we, are, we are in the throes of that. Mm -hmm. um, on one hand, as the disruptor, right, of, a, right. of, a, of an industry, but also now as um, the market leader of that, um, mm -hmm. you know, emerging pack of additional disruptors. Mm -hmm. So it's a very interesting position to be in when you... Um, and maybe we can talk about this in a little bit, but when you sort of have to keep your eye on the prize of, of sort of why you were created in the first place, right, to address this, the largest part of sort of the market and create big behavior change. But at the same time, I'm sure anyone who's been tracking this category yeah. has noticed that it's, um, oh, you know, I, I guess, you know, what is, what is it that, um, that imitation is the highest form of flattery? Sure. Um, but but um, we are uh, increasingly seeing competition on all fronts. And so it's uh, normally when you um, disrupt or create a category, I think you get a little bit more runway than Casper has had. Kind yeah, of before everybody sort of jumps moment. in. Right. right. You know, it's so funny, though, Jeff, to hear you talk about it. And I mean, I just remember four years ago when it first came on the scene and it was so disruptive. Right. But and I remember I'm sure there are plenty of people doing the same scratching their heads and saying, but why mattresses like of all categories to disrupt? You know, like why talk a, bit, a little bit about that market and why that was so ripe for innovation? Uh, happy to. I mean, I think it's, you know, what what, what you're scratching at is that. <clears throat> You know, I think while well, well, Casper absolutely started as a sort of, you know, to disrupt a, an old sort of, you know, antiquated process of, of mattress buying, the impetus behind it was not to create uh, a mattress company. It was to create a company um, that would really uh, make sleep more accessible uh, for, you know, mm. a large population and, and to champion um, sleep as a critical pillar of wellness. You know, and Purpose one of our founders concept. in particular... Uh, Neil Parikh, um, who's our uh, chief operating officer, has always felt very strongly that um, that while you know exercise and diet are sort of you know widely held as sort of 
critical to wellness and the things that increase our, you know, mortality, but also happiness and productivity and self-esteem and all those things. You know, there's there is as much data that sleep does uh, as much as those two other, um, you know, uh, areas. And so it was always... Um, while mattresses were our Trojan horse, a means if you to will. an end, yeah, you were leading um, yeah, with the purpose of, of exactly. sleep being and, vital and, to, and, to good health. And yeah. I, I, you know, I've, I've listened to several of your shows, and I've heard a number of my counterparts at other organizations talk about the power of purpose and sure. and, and 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 you know, um, clarity of, of mission, and and that's some of the work that we're you know, it's, it's definitely top of mind for us too, because one of the benefits of being so disruptive and and beloved so quickly by consumers is that you also get kind of, you know, attached to your core product offering. Mm. And, uh, and so, you know, part of my job, um, in addition to continuing to, to sell as many mattresses and other sort of bedding products and sleep products as I can, is to make sure that the market as a whole understands that all of those things are in service of something greater. So fascinating. And I mean, to your point about when you mentioned a minute ago about like now you're in this hyper competitive category, so many new entrants, right? In the four years since you since you launched, Um, you know, but you talk about opening retail stores and sort of expanding and offering new products. And, you know, like it's hard, right? It's the age old balance. How do you expand and scale while staying, you know, true to your core values in the original proposition and not get suddenly not become just another and maybe the way mattress to, seller, and right? Maybe to, the way to ask about that is how, over the past year or so, have you expanded, and how have you thought about doing that in a way that's yeah, consistent? What's the strategy? <clears throat> sure, I'm right, and that 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 in a nutshell is one of the challenges that all CMOs face yeah. today, right? Especially those in retail, is you know you're 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 chasing growth, um, but at the same time, you know you you are. You know, I say that it's it, 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 it's hard to sort of you know beat the drum about sort of the future when three months is kind of the new long term. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and and a lot of organizations uh, you know obviously have um, earnings and, and targets to hit. Um, we are, I think, in a bit more of a luxury position because of how quickly we've been growing and, and because we're so private that it's always been a conviction of the founders to make sure that the thing that differentiated Casper from its first day of its existence uh, is something that we would um, never sacrifice um, um, uh, in service of just uh, growth on its own. And, and, and the reason I say that is because while we are expanding quickly, we have, you know, a number of, uh, of owned and operated stores and plan to aggressively expand those in the next, you know, uh, two to three years. Um, and we'll be entering some new markets, uh, new categories. Um, we always come back to, you know, a set of criteria that we have around, you know, is it is it uh, addressing an unmet consumer need or pain point? Is it furthering our mission to help cement sleep as a as a you know pillar of wellness and, and create more awareness globally that sleep truly wow. truly matters. Um, and is it something that's going to provide the customer with a delightful or differentiated experience? And I know some of those things maybe sound a bit cliched, especially given the number of interviews you guys do. But 
No, but you know, they're the things that have made Casper successful. Well, let's talk about you, Jeff, because obviously there's some there's some expertise behind those words. So talk a little (laughs) bit about, you know, you coming in. How long have you been CMO now? I am. Um, I will be six months official uh, next week. So let's talk about the strategy there. I mean, you have a very interesting background that you're bringing to bear in this role. So tell our listeners a little bit about you and sort of, you know, how you fit into that sort of overarching strategy for them. Oh, gosh. Uh, sure. So um, let's see. I mean, let me start by saying that, you know, you've heard of the seven-year itch. Um, <laughs> that's clearly for a different radio show. Um, uh, I guess I got the 25-year itch. But um, I spent the, the bulk of my career uh, doing marketing, but on the agency side mm-hmm. of the industry. Um, and I think about my career, Jenny, in kind of three chapters, if this maybe makes sense. Um, but the first was really cutting my teeth and learning traditional packaged goods, blue chip, consumer insight driven brand building and marketing. Mm -hmm. So I spent the first eight to 10 years of my career working heavily on brands within the P&G portfolio and Kraft Foods and some, you know, IBM and American Express kind of stuff, right? So really getting the discipline and rigor of, you know, brand building and marketing. Um, then in the late 90s, I just really, I mean, more by accident than design, if I'm honest, um, uh, got into the brave new world of e-commerce. And it wasn't because I had a, um, uh, a burning sensation that this was going to be the <laughs> next big thing for business. It's because I am a compulsive shopper. Mm-hmm. I also think it's one of the things that makes me <laughs> good at my job. <laughs> uh, but I'm fascinated by consumerism. Mm-hmm. And um, and I started to, you know, get into eBay and Amazon very, very early into their wow. days. In fact, when I when I introduced myself at Casper, they asked uh, me to tell sort of a story about me, not the professional Jeff, but the personal Jeff in, in five slides. And the first slide I had was a screen grab of my 100% positive feedback rating on eBay dating back 19 years. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> nice. Um, I use that as, I guess, as, as a segue to say that the second chapter was all about digital. Mm-hmm. So I wound up doing a technology startup for about three years that the way I justify it now was a, um, you know, a year too late to get rich quickly and about two or three years too early to get rich properly. <laughs> but, it, um, but it was in, in, the, in the area of e-commerce and behavioral targeting and a lot of really interesting stuff. And then I found myself sort of with this brand building roots, a little bit of digital sheen on top and the market just started to go wow that's that's kind of the pedigree that we're looking for and so i rode that digital train pretty hard and and i wound up running a bunch of agencies pure digital agencies as well as um you know integrated agencies that were trying to um you know bolster their digital credentials and future-proof their businesses um, and then I guess the last third prior to Casper was kind of combining those two complementary and I guess coveted skill sets into leadership positions um, within the agency world. And so I was the CEO or president of a couple of agencies from Havas to Saatchi to a media shop called Assembly. And then most recently, um, an agency called Huge, which uh, hopefully you guys have heard of. It's Absolutely. a great company. It is a great company. I think, I think it's 
still the self-inclaimed fastest-growing agency of the last decade. Mm-hmm. But um, but it was at Huge that um, that this this is sort of how the this this diatribe connects back to uh, to Casper. But that's where I met uh, the founders of Casper because Casper issued mm-hmm. an RFP for a creative pitch, mm-hmm. and. Um, um, I don't know, just fortuitously, it was one of those things where the day the RFP came in, I happened to be in the business development meeting, and I said, I'll take that one. Nice. Um, I had been a Casper customer early on, I I think in their first year. That was one of my other slides I showed. I yes, of I course. A picture of me, <laughs> you know, but I think I was giving their customer service representative through email a hard time. So I said, you know, I've always been a pain. Um, demanding, um, demanding. But uh, but long story short, we we wound up winning the pitch, won the business, and and um, about uh, six months into our relationship, uh, it turned out that they were uh, uh, going to be looking for a new CMO, and um, and I asked, oh, and and, uh, and Philip, it's pretty funny, uh, Philip sent me, Philip Krim, our founder and CEO, sent me an email saying, don't suppose you want to throw your hat in the ring. And I think within three mm. hours of having received that email, he and I were having a drink at the Gramercy Hotel. Wow. It's a great story. Uh, it was not an opportunity that I was prepared to squander in any way, shape, or form. Because mm-hmm. I just saw it as something uh, so exciting. And so um, I feel very blessed to uh, to have uh, uh, won their confidence. And I think we both had, um, you know, a lot of times when you're recruiting, you even with reference checks and everything else, you, there's always still a little bit of a, a question mark. But because we um, had worked together and known each other right. for about six to nine months, um, I think both parties had a high degree of, of comfort um, and confidence in, in the relationship. I just got to ask real quick, single biggest, um, you know, skill or experience or, you know, moment in your career that you draw on now in your current role at Casper, you know, at a company like that, what of all that experience do you lean on most heavily? Oh, man. Um, can I give you a couple of answers? Of course. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I think the, the reason that I wanted to kind of talk about my career in those kind of three chapters, um, I, it's important because when you think about what's expected of the CMO today, right? And, mm. um, I don't. Greg Welch from Spencer Stewart had a really interesting piece he put out last week about like, you know, more CEOs are searching for the super CMO and what mm-hmm. what constitutes the super CMO and and it is kind of this um, um, unicorn like. Uh, combination of truly understanding both the art and science right. um, of the business. Sure. Right. And and I'm very fortunate in that, uh, you know, I'm an incredibly, I'd like to think, uh, strategic and creatively driven marketer uh, who, you know, will fight to the death on um, preserving the integrity of purpose and brand and experience. But at the same time, you know, I've spent the equal parts of my career in performance channels, in e-commerce, in search, in social, in optimization, in affiliate marketing, uh, in direct marketing. And I, and I think it's having the ability to kind of left brain, right brain, kind of toggle back and forth throughout the course of a day or a week and, and kind of make those reconciliations and, and build teams around that is super helpful. And the reason I say that, um, 
long way of answering your question, and then I have a, one other thought, um, is that Casper's in a really interesting place, back to the question of how do you manage a brand in such a high-growth environment, right, with so much pressure. And, um, and it would be very challenging to do that um, if I wasn't able to, like, truly understand and prioritize decision-making in real time hmm. based on experience and gut on whether I thought in any given case, um, in this case, brand trumps performance, in this case, performance trumps brand, in this case, we need a new solution that brings them together more closely. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that, you know, we have um, ex- high expectations of our company in terms of the, the, the revenue that we're going to deliver and the growth rate that we're going to continue to meet. But at the same time, if we don't um, future-proof um, our brand and preserve the things that have made it so powerful, um, hitting those revenue targets is going to be harder and harder. And, and everyone in the organization fully embraces that, which is a which is a wonderful thing. I was going to just say that I think, and maybe you'll have a line of questioning around this in a bit, but, you know, it's not that common to see people who have spent so much time on the agency side make the transition sort of this late in their journey to the client side. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and there have been one or two sort of, I think, challenges with that, but there have been way more things that I have found to be um, uh, super helpful and useful. Um, and one of them is that, you know, agencies are by nature highly collaborative and cross-functional, right? right. And I yeah. think if you had to, if, if you had to characterize client organizations and with a very, you know, big, broad paintbrush, you might say that they're, you know, <laughs> a little bit more silo. Not. Yeah. 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 And um and you know I'm sure you guys talk a lot about sort of the the trend or the or the emerging need for true cross-functional sort of uh yes, we do. you know process. Yep. Um and having while while you need accountability and ownership, you also need like never before teams coming together in in new ways, shapes, sizes. Totally. And I think and I think that you can't survive as an agency without that, yep. uh, and especially running an agency where you are bringing creative and strategy and account mm-hmm. and design and finance and procurement and right all the other pieces of the business um, into play and, and creating kind of an environment of trust and collaboration. And I think that's been one of the things that um, for Casper that is just growing so fast um, uh, has um, and has you know historically been I would say more channel led as many organizations are. It's been really um, um, delightful and fun to kind of introduce some new uh, processes and philosophies into the organization that have pulled some groups together that hadn't previously um, I think felt the same sense of either ownership or skin in the game driving towards a common goal that they do now. So I don't know. I think that's one. Wow. One key thing. And another is just like on the service side of the business, the agency side, you know, we don't make differentiated products. Let's be honest. Like, you know, most agencies, like, you know, their their products is their people. Mm-hmm. And, and their people are the ones who ultimately come up with ideas that move business or change the world. And I think having that, um, hmm. that Value. grounding. Yeah. That grounding in a company like Casper that's growing so fast, that's bringing in new people, that's hiring like crazy, that's entering new markets, um, the focus and being able, you know, to partner with, you know, 
Elizabeth, who's our chief people officer, and a number of other people, just to make sure that we are constantly remembering that, you know, as a brand that truly has deep admiration and respect for customers and gets a lot of credit for that, that we have to make sure that we continue to apply the the exact same criteria uh, and love to our staff as we continue to scale as fast as we have. And and that's been really exciting. I love you saying that about, you know, the concept that it's it's not com- it's not common to have, you know, eight pe- people who have made the leap from agencies um, to client side um, after such a length of time. And, and um, interestingly, Peter, our next guest is actually has an agency background as well. So we're going to be be interesting in the show to hear kind of both of you talk about that particular perspective. But, Very um, cool. Uh, yeah. You know, I know we also wanted to get to this concept, Catherine, of personalization. And I'm really curious to see what Jeff has to say about that. So maybe you can talk a little bit about why we wanted to kind of touch on that and the experiential component. And the experiential. Yeah. So I know, um, yeah, time flies when, when we have such wonderful guests. But, I, yeah, we did want to kind of get in, especially um, the trend for e-commerce companies, companies who are 100% online, going into the physical space and going into retail and uh, have, with the situation of, of so many retailers in crisis now and yeah. um, that we How read about maintain? them going every day. So, A, as I know that you've just been there for six months, but that sounds it to be not only something that you've done with with your place in New York City. Was it Dreamland or... Uh, dreamery, dreamery, um, but yeah. but but extending. So help us to understand a little bit about what your thinking is and what do you want to try to get out of going into brick and mortar. Happy to. Um, I think there's two parts to that answer. I mean, the first is that if you look at our industry right now, um, you know, e-commerce or direct to consumer uh, uh, purchases of let's just leave it at mattress for now to make the math easy. <laughs> Um, represents somewhere between 10 and 15% of the market. Wow. Okay. So purely from a yeah. penetration standpoint, right, the, the, the prize is the other 85%. Mm-hmm. And if you start to just think about it that way, it's not The numbers are compelling, yes. Yeah, well, and it's not that we can't convert uh, over time a, a significant number of those, uh, those people to shop and buy online. But, you know, p- part of the uh, expansion into brick and mortar, I would say, is, you know, as much about awareness and trust and credential building, you know, just to kind of make sure that people understand that this is a, you know, this is a, a brand that is not a startup anymore, that <laughs> that is a legitimate, you know, fast growing, highly awarded credentialed company. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of consumers, seeing stores and 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 yeah. um, and seeing um, a presence in their local community um, of the brand of does a lot of heavy lift in ways that probably we all underestimate, just in terms of awareness. I'm not even talking about transactions. Right. Um, but the other piece is that you know, I, I I like to say that you know, no matter how effective our our marketing campaigns may be, or how truly awesome our products are, and they are. <laughs> Um, there will always be a population of consumers who will not drop a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars on a bed if they can't put their butt on it and lie down. Right. Yep. And so for us, you know, the the brick and mortar uh, strategy is also, 
you know, it's, it's not like we decided one day that, ooh, omni-channel's a trend. We should probably do that. Like <laughs> Let's it, jump. It, it addresses a fundamental purchase I dynamic see. in our particular gotcha. industry. And so um, so one, it's, it's been fascinating. You know, I mean, a year ago, we, we didn't really have storage. We had one or two little kind of seasonal pop-ups. And, you know, now we have over 20. And that's separate from the Dreamery, which is more of a concept and experiential place where you can go in and have a, and book a nap. But, you know, adjacent to the Dreamery is our, is our flagship uh, store in Soho. Um, but the stores are even more productive than we thought they would be. Um, by you know any business metric that you would judge them oh, wow. on, and and what we're seeing is, and you had asked a question about how do you manage the expansion. Well, part of it is obviously to choose carefully on where we need to be mm-hmm. and which markets and where we see the highest potential, uh, you know, return and and how we don't bite off more than we can chew in terms of you know how fast we grow because right. yeah. the experience of Casper, like if you think about why Casper was created. It was to look at a category where the experience kind of sucked, right? Like the idea was that, right. and I'm glad that you don't have the CMO of Mattress for a Mattress. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but, you know, the, 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 the idea of kind of having to walk into a clearinghouse of mattresses all over the place that are probably not the cleanest and commission salespeople kind of hovering over you, like it, it's, it's not a very pleasant way to make that's a pretty important decision, right? The one that you probably only make every five or 10 years. Right, right. Um, and so the, the, the same reason that we got into the sort of business of e-commerce as a way to disrupt some of that, we're trying to apply those same principles of experience design to our retail stores. So what do I mean by that? If you were to visit one of our retail stores, you would find it to be the antithesis of a sleepies or a mattress firm or a number of other you know stores that, that many of us have been to, it is peaceful. Our salespeople are non-commissioned; they're not even called salespeople; they're called uh, sleep specialists. Right. Um, you, um, we have private areas where you can try the beds for up to a certain amount of time, so that you don't have to feel that you're <laughs> sort of in plain view, public view, like under you know, the lights and just right. Yeah. Um, and, Talking um, about and, how you sleep out loud next to your well, exactly, yeah. and you know, and and everything about it um, is intended to kind of just again both like have that respect for the customer and understand how they like to shop and what matters to them, but also bring in a little bit of the charm and whimsy that has made Casper so you know you know um, beloved as a brand. So we have little what we call birdhouses or treehouses in each of the store, and each have. A little curtain and some fun things in the wall and little quirky things that you might. Like not I just expect. want to go hang and, out there. Right? Yeah, I mean it's funny actually. You can't book um, it because, in fact, I tried to to book it um, for to take a nap for forty five minutes <laughs> when I go to the city next. And you guys are at least for this other place. It's you guys are booked. Waiting list. Yeah, waiting list. Oh, well, you know, Catherine, I know that's a wonderful. guy. I love it. The other thing, right? Like, I, I love the fact that yeah. we as a company are prepared to take those risks and do something like Same, the yeah. Dreamery, right? This yep. gets back to your question about mission. It's like if we believe that a well-rested world is a better world and that people, you know, are happier and healthier and, and, and nicer, um, uh, you know, when they're, when they're well-rested, um, then why not experiment and build a destination that, is all about um, napping. 
I'm ready and to go take a nap yeah. right now. Thank, <laughs> right? That, no, but seriously. And, and, no, and we have anecdotes from tons of different types of people, from whether it's someone who just has time to kill between work and a date or someone who's just taken a red mm-hmm. eye and has, you know, wants to rest before a meeting to people who have just been shopping and want to get off their feet. But I think that idea of like just normalizing the fact that it's okay to to rest when you're tired is a big part of what like, you know, we see as our larger contribution. And so that's just, um, you know, that, that's, that's been a, it's been wonderful to see the support that that's had inside the organization. And then just a couple of weeks into launch, the demand for it. That's wonderful. With I think that, it sounds fantastic. Unfortunately, <laughs> with, I know poor Jenny's like, really? I'm just, her eyes are, 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 have are to starting to, now. no, it's wonderful. <laughs> and, and unfortunately with that, Jeff, we, we do have to, thank you, to say thank you for being with us and for sharing both your own journey as well as that of Casper. So we, we hope to keep in touch and, and have you on the show again sometime. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful story and, and good luck um, with just six months under your belt. Sounds like it's, it's been a great ride so far. It really has, and I, it's been a, I can't believe how fast that went. I, I truly can't. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, thank you so much. But thank you, guys, and uh, best of luck with the rest of the show, and look forward to seeing you both. Sounds great. Likewise. If you do want to follow um, Jeff, you can follow him on Twitter, at Jeff Brooks uh, and the number one. And without further ado, I wanted to introduce our next guest. We're going to be welcoming Peter Georgie. He's the Chief Marketing Officer of Celebrity Cruises. Welcome to the show, Peter. Hello there. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, thanks for thanks for joining us. We um, we wanted to start by just asking you a little bit about your background. Um, we just spoke with Jeff Brooks, um, the CMO of uh, Casper, and he has a similar background to yours in that he also came from the agency world before he took on the CMO mantle. Um, so tell us a little bit about your background, please. I am a proud Casper owner. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> Ten points. He's listening. He's listening right He's now, Peter. Notes. Oh, he said, actually, he did say, right, yeah. Jenny, that he wants to chat about a, you know, possible yeah. uh, You have a lot of collaboration. So. so, yeah. A lot of beds. Um, yeah, well, that's really interesting. I didn't know that about his background. But I, um, you know, I think the formative years for me started at Crispin Porter and Bogusky, which was about 2006. Um, and so that was, you know, an ad agency that had kind of redefined uh, what marketing was. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They were making these incredible campaigns. It was, it was really, um, I think, the moment that my career sort of started to to move in a super positive direction because it was just. I've talked about it like joining the Rolling Stones or something. That's how <laughs> I felt because those those people were rock stars to me. Truly, when I I can still remember walking into the lobby and seeing Alex and mm-hmm. Chuck, and these were idols. Yeah. Um, and I was fortunate enough to, to land that gig and stayed there for almost nine years. Um, and it was it was named um, Agency of the Decade, I remember. It was. And uh, Chuck Porter was on our Global Advisory Board for the Wharton Future of Advertising program. He was one of the initial starters of, of the whole program 10 years ago. So, yeah, big fans, big fans. Yeah, just being around the kind of energy and yeah. the way that, that the agency really taught you to dig into problems in a strategic way. And mm-hmm. I think it was often, it was funny to me to speak to people outside the agency who assumed uh, we were just a bunch of yahoos running around coming up with crazy ideas. But, <laughs> the, you know, the, the dirty secret was that everything that agency did mm. was grounded in something really deep and meaningful um, and interesting. Well, it's and nice to hear you say that, especially at a time when, God, agencies are just under fire like never before, right? So it's... it's They are. It's, it's, you know, it's good to hear you articulate really what the value can be 
and um, what you bring from that experience to what you're doing today, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I have a real um, affinity for the work that agencies do and the fact that uh, that work is so important and it tends to be work that folks like me don't get the time to do anymore. So much of my day is Mm. occupied with other things. But what really gives me um, energy and what gets me out of bed is – are those big, potentially game-changing ideas that you can come up with if you find something and nurture it and protect it and make sure no one comes near it and then bring it you know, out into the world? <laughs> it's, it's an incredibly difficult um, mm. process. So the delicacy you, of, of ideas. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So did you um, also have experience at other uh, client-side marketers as well prior so, to Celebrity? I did, yeah. I was I was very fortunate um, to work on vitamin water and uh, work with the Coca-Cola company for a number of years when I was at CPB, and through that met Jonathan Mildenhall, who's uh, Super a cool. great guy to know, and, sure. um, and <laughs> yeah. he kind of changed my life. You know, that is the other thing about being, um, being at an agency. You get exposed to all these different clients, and you get exposed to different leaders mm. and, um, and thinkers. thinkers. Yeah. And... Um, Jonathan went to, you know, left Coca-Cola and went to a a little company called Airbnb Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) and, you know, and brought me over to Airbnb to be head of global advertising, um, I think in about 2014. Hmm. Um, And so that was my first client side job. And in some ways it was more chaotic than the agency world, which is, I guess, a little bit non-traditional, but that's how (laughs) things are. But I think it's fantastic because, I mean, talk about a, a, a background that that comes together probably with such power for what you're doing now, right? right. I mean, agency, world, startup experience, and, and now not here just you any are. agency, not just any startup. Sure. <laughs> right. right. And now here you are at Celebrity. So talk a little bit about Celebrity for people who, who, who aren't familiar with the company and the brand and sort of, you know, how you guys differ from, frankly, a very, another very um, competitive market. Um, talk about the celebrity difference. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, so celebrity is, uh, we're a global cruise line. Um, we sail to 300 different cities, all seven continents, including Antarctica. Um, and uh, I know, we, we have two sailings that wow. go to yeah, Antarctica. Really? That's an and interesting. I was once told by a guest it was not enough. Um, wow. But I would say it's exactly enough. <laughs> enough time. Um, and we sit in, in a space that we call modern luxury. Uh, so, you know, in cruising, you have very traditional, um, you know, sort of old school luxury brands. Um, and what we do isn't that. What we do is sort of constantly moving forward is um, very design focused, very much about mm. the culinary experience and then the way that we bring you to the destination, but also the way that we bring the destination on board. Um, so we would say that we're sort of a premium cruise line, but not uh, we're not an old-school luxury cruise line. Mm-hmm. It's not exclusive in that way. Um, very, you know, something that's very attainable and yet aspirational. So, you know, it's funny. Catherine and I were talking before, and full disclosure, neither of us have ever been on a cruise. And I do think it's an interesting form of travel, vacation, and and way for people to spend money that, you know, you you almost have to kind of get people on board with the concept of cruising. <laughs> yes. I'm, I am... All over today. This is <laughs> on a roll. Um, but but how do you do that, right? Because I feel like yeah. there probably is that initial sell before the the brand promotion. Right. You know what I mean? So talk and, a little bit about that. So you know, strategically, it's not that different from where Airbnb was when I joined, mm. which was that you had this product that was sort of um, you know it was taking over the world in a lot of respects, figuratively and literally. Right, literally. 
but uh, the barrier was that for, was trial. Once you got somebody to try, mm-hmm. um, then they often came back because they, they had a great experience. The difference is that those initial stays, you know, for an Airbnb guest tend to be a night or two nights, sort of low investment um, for mm. us. You know, I can't I can't mail out a sample of a cruise. It's not like Tide or something like that. I, I can't send it to you in the mail. Mm-hmm. I have to be able to get you on board. Um, and Literally. one of the ways, you know, so one of the the real focus for us, frankly, is on product, is on developing ships and experiences on board that that have the ability to just kind of break through those mythologies that people have and those prejudices they have against cruising. Um, I. You know, I remember after my first interview uh, with Lisa, staying overnight, and mm. um, which wasn't planned, but staying over and then going to tour a ship. And um, I walked on, you know, I walked on and it took me a split second to realize, yeah, I can sell this. This is, yeah. this is an incredible product that not enough people know about. Mm-hmm. And as a marketer, that's fantastic. Sure, right. Um, we've all had to sell terrible products that everybody knows about, and that's not a great gig. <laughs> but if <laughs> right. you can, if you can introduce people to something that they have a predisposition against and get them to say, wait, this isn't what I thought it was, that's really powerful. And also just, I mean, in doing the research for this, it's, I, I'm sold, Jenny. We, I think that we're not going to be able to say what, what we just said uh, very long because it looks like a, literally a fabulous experience, like just through and through that you've thought of of everything. And now you're revitalizing the whole fleet? Is that That's what... right. Yeah, that's right. Tell so us we're, about we're that. investing uh, about $500 million to <laughs> go through what we're calling the Celebrity Revolution. Wow. And essentially, it's taking all of our ships over oh. uh, about a five-year period into dry dock, tearing them essentially down to the steel and Man. building them back up again. Oh, um, my gosh. And what's a, your role in that? Mine, my, my role is to make sure people know about it, it. Um, make sure that we tell the story in the right way, that mm-hmm. it's powerful enough and everyone understands the scope of what we're doing. Um, I do say that, so I think that investment and what we're doing to the product, that's marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It has to be, right? Right, that's what, right. And then I love that you're going to tell that story, right? I mean, that's, that's part of building the brand and exactly, awareness. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And that's, it's also part of the... Um, you know, saying we're modern luxury means that the experience has to evolve. It's always sort of mm. moving forward. If we were a different kind of uh, brand, then it might be fine to leave the ships the way that they are. But we have an obligation, you know, to the brand and to the business to continually push it. Um, and it, it's really about Celebrity Edge, which is the ship that, that comes out uh, this fall. Um, I was just over in saint Nazaire, France, actually taking a tour of the ship and seeing it in progress, which is... Just incredible. It's the first time I've gone to a shipyard and seen these things as they're coming together. But the attention to detail and the mm-hmm. craftsmanship and the way that that ship will be once it's in the water is unlike anything else I've ever seen. It's really and I was it's only, really special. I was only um, I wasn't even kidding in terms of like what your role is because you know as we discussed um, with Jeff just before, but Jenny and I talk about it all the time since it's a big challenge for chief marketing officers are the silos and yeah. and breaking those down. So this, as to your point about the product is marketing, what these are is the experience, what they're building is what you'll be talking about. So how, how does that relationship work for you as these, as this process what is happening? What are those conversations like? It's actually incredibly um, borderless process mm. here. So as we're going through, um, you know, the meetings that 
where decisions are being made about uh, paint colors and about what the room looks like and how many rooms to add or take away. I'm part of those. I'm part of those meetings with uh, Lisa Lutoff Perlo, who's our president and CEO, um, and the rest of the executive team. Got We're it. in those meetings together. Got it. Um, I'm with sales. I'm with hotel operations. Uh, culinary folks are there. Revenue management is there. We're all truly in it together. Um, and so it's it sort of happens very naturally. Mm-hmm. I think of it a bit like um, I often make analogies to, you know, to music or things like that. And I think what we do is a bit like jazz. We all know what key we're playing in and we know the tempo and we all kind of get together and figure it out. And it ends up sounding pretty good. And That's with great. each your own areas of expertise and yeah. and yeah, virtuosity, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> you know, one of the things that Catherine and I were talking about before the show is just this whole concept, and we brought it up too with our interview with Jeff, but this concept of personalization and how like everything's becoming so hyper-personalized, you know, marketing is becoming so like, you know, you know, to the person, right, and the human component and sort of that that relationship. And, I mean, obviously that's always been there, but just the technology that exists today to enable that to happen. You know, how are you looking at the new technologies that are out there? I mean, be it voice or, I mean, there's so many just amazing platforms for for connection uh, with the individual. How are you sort of leveraging some of those opportunities for building this? I mean, because people, if they're going to go have an experience like this, they really want to feel like, you know them, and it's you're catering too. to them. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. So the halo is that it's super contemporary, modern sort of um, company to engage with. So how, how are you sort of negotiating all that? Yeah, it's a big, um, it's a big consideration. And the, so for us, it, it comes down to two parts. Um, the first part, which is the, really the opposite of what you're talking about, is just gaining more mass awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, Cruise is still only about 4% of the travel market. Wow. And, it's yeah, really it's incredibly small for something that seems incredibly large. Yeah. Um, and so you've, you have to just get more people thinking about cruise, which tends to mean more traditional marketing. Um, but the goal of that traditional marketing is always to bring people you know, into our own channels. We want to get them onto our website. We want to get them to call a travel agent. Um, we want to get them to... Um, you know, to, to call one of our, um, one of our uh, CO agents in our, in our call center, for example. Mm-hmm. We want to sort of get them thinking about us um, pretty quickly. Uh, once we, we've actually had an interaction, we're spending a lot more time on personalizing, you know, the marketing experience, on personalizing the, the emails that go out um, pre-cruise, on, um, ah. on personalizing, you know, the the banner ads that we serve to you and the way that they're served so they're actually relevant. Um, we're also making a huge investment in technology here at, at uh, Royal Caribbean, which is our parent company, um, you know, developing uh, an app, which we haven't had previously, that really will become sort of the centerpiece of everything that you're doing on mm-hmm. board. That'll count down to, you know, to uh, your departure date. That'll Super teach you cool. about where to go in the ship um, and help you really personalize your experience so that it's, so that you're getting the most out of it. Like your your vacation. Yeah, your it's, shuffleboard time is now. <laughs> everything's curated. No shuffleboard. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, those are the kinds of. I thought it was coming back. Trying to break. Stop it, Catherine. <laughs> okay. Sorry, nothing against shuffleboard. It's actually a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine it's sort of with a modernistic twist, and uh, but anyhow, yeah. Yeah. Super yeah, exciting. but those are the you know it's. Um, I love that. 
you have to find the you have to find the line right where just because the technology exists it doesn't mean that we should be using it yeah actually make the guest experience better we don't want to inundate them we don't want to cross the line and be creepy that's not a good thing right mm-hmm. we want to make sure that they're in charge of the experience and that we're educating them um Cruising, I think, is a bit of a skill. You know, the the Mm. first time you cruise, it's quite overwhelming. Mm -hmm. The ship is large. It's it's a completely new experience. Where do I go? You know, where's the main dining room? Uh, Where's the gym? Where's my room? What is fore and aft? What's port and starboard? (laughs) I I never thought of that before. It's a very active vacation experience, right? I mean, it depends upon the real like involvement or, or true participation of the guests. Absolutely. And I think that's, um, it's one of the things I love about it is that the cruise there's look, the ship is a vehicle. Truly. It will bring you someplace, whether you choose to, to leave the ship in port is up to you. If you'd like to join a shore excursion, that's up to you. If you'd like to grab a car and, and head into downtown Helsinki, you can do that. Um, Whatever it is you'd like, if you want it to be a relaxing spa-based sort of vacation, you can have that. Um, if you want to go, you know, rock climbing or, or uh, travel with sled dogs in Alaska, you can do that too. Um, it's just a means of getting someplace. Mm. And I think it's what I truly love Thanks about style. it is that the experience of sailing into a city is really unlike anything else. It's not like arriving by air. It's not like driving in. When you sail into Stockholm, you see Stockholm opening up in front of you on the horizon and you feel like some kind of ancient explorer or something like that. When you sail into Venice or St. Petersburg or even Miami where I am right now, it's just totally different. It's the way that we used to arrive places. It's the way that we used to discover new places. Mm. And there's, I just feel an intense sense of being connected to Everyone who came before us who, you know, got out there and explored the world a little bit. And almost didn't have any choice about how they got from right. one place to the other. This, <laughs> yeah. this was the, the only totally. way. So only talk way. about rich rich fodder for, for, for brand messaging. So, totally. I mean, that's fantastic. Well, we just have a couple of more minutes. Um, and I wish I wish we had a lot more because there's, there's, there's so much richness to what it is that's within your purview and what you're doing and how much you're investing. But but maybe just some of the key takeaways of late that you've had. Literally, we've got about about a minute and a half okay. um, that you think our listeners should be keeping an eye on right now, given your vantage point. Yeah, just in terms of the industry overall. Yes, yep. please. So uh, the thing to me that I think about a lot is not being distracted by the shiny objects and being overwhelmed by technology. Um, there's more emphasis than ever on data, on big data, but I always come back to what do we do with that data? Um, how do we use it in service of the guests or in service of the customer so it makes their decision-making process better and they're more informed and feel empowered? Mm-hmm. Um, so I have three books on my desk, and one is Bill Bernbach's, one is David Ogilvy, and one is by um, George Lois, and those are very mm-hmm. old books about marketing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't think they've been surpassed ever because they're really about storytelling and yeah. narrative and emotion um, and about communicating why your product is different. So I try to think a lot about stripping away the noise and um, really getting to the heart of what makes your brand special and, and sticking to that. 
That's wise words. Yeah, absolutely. But you should add beyond advertising to your desk. So, <laughs> <laughs> Jenny, yeah, do it, do it. I it's, have to support my. Thank you. My yeah, I should. I just love those. You know, they're my heroes. <laughs> I was going to say they're they're in them. Um, anyhow, so I I do want to thank you so much for joining us today, Peter. It's it's been a, a true pleasure. Thanks, Peter. Thank you so much for having me. This was really wonderful. Thank you. Yes, Peter Georgie. He is the chief marketing officer of Celebrity Cruises. You can follow him on Twitter at Peter. G-I-O-R-G-I, or learn more about what they're doing, which you really should, at Celebrity.com. Really some interesting things, including the bar that floats up and down. Jenny, you've got to check it out. I will check that out. (laughs) For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.